by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. When I was playing baseball in junior high and on through high school, I probably even into college, I don't know, probably about college I stopped it, but before a game that I was supposed to pitch, you know, I was a pitcher, I'd pull out my rosary beads. Man, I took baseball serious now. So on special occasions, I'd pull out them rosary beads, I'd start saying my Hail Marys and our fathers. And if it was an important game, I'd go all the way through the whole thing. I don't know, it's 50, 60 of those prayers. Because I thought, you know, if I do this, God's going to do this. If I rub that genie bottle, then the genie's got to answer, right? And so I would get out on the mound, and I, with my cleats, I would carve a cross behind the pitcher's mouth in the dirt. Then I'd get up there, and I had all the confidence in the world that God's got to respond. God's got to give me the victory now, because this was important to me. And I'd throw a few pitches, and, and if... How dare somebody, if they were to hit one of my balls and get a base hit, then I'd be up there cussing under my breath, ready to throw my glove down, stomping around the mound. If I walked somebody, I'd just be mad. Now, I wasn't acting godly at all, was I? But I expected God to keep his end of the bargain because I said all those prayers. You see, that's the way I thought. That's who I thought God was. I thought I could rub that bottle and he's going to answer I thought I could bargain with God. You know why I thought that? Because I didn't know him. I didn't know what he was really like. I just thought I knew him. And I don't know if that has anything to do with why God, through, the, through his spirit, gave us this vision to where we're going, our long-term vision, when he said, a place to find the real Jesus. Because we're not here to show people a fake version of Jesus. We're not here to get them all gunned up about somebody that doesn't even exist. How important do you think it is that we know the real Jesus? There's a lot of fake Jesus out there today. It was so important that even in Jesus' time, he's been walking with these disciples for close to three years or more. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Well, surely they know. They've been walking with him. But they had just told him everybody else thinks he's just a prophet or a good man or the spirit of somebody come back to life, you know. All these false representations of who Christ really is. So Jesus asked pointedly, who do you Say that I am. And I'll give you a hint. The answer is in the question. People say all kinds of things about Jesus today. Unbelievers 
Well, they try not to say nothing about him. They try not to think about him. <coughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> you better start thinking about him. Your eternity hinges on what you believe about Jesus. The Jews, well, they consider him a false messiah. You see, they were waiting for, they're still waiting. They're thinking the Messiah is still to come, that he's going to come back a conquering king. And he is. But what they didn't, what they failed to recognize is first he must come as a suffering servant. I don't know how they missed Isaiah 53, <laughs> the whole chapter in their Bible. But they did. So they rejected the Messiah. They're looking for somebody else to come. <laughs> Wrong answer. The Mormons, well, they believe Jesus is a God, but he's not the God. By the way, they believe that they can become gods too if they act right. Part of their doctrine believes that Jesus is Satan's spiritual brother. <laughs> no, no. Jesus created Satan. He's not his brother. That's in Mormon Doctrine, page 547, or the teachings of the prophet of Joseph Smith, pages 345 through 354. I wouldn't advise you go read that because it's dripping with heresy. Wrong answer. They got the, they, they're not seeing the real Jesus. Come on, somebody. Do you care about, are you, are you dedicating your life? Did you come here this morning for a false Jesus? Are you okay with going through life saying, well, I worship to somebody? That's the way the world is. As long as, long as you believe something, you just got to have faith. Well, faith in what? You better get real, right? Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus is Michael the archangel, a created being. <coughs> Wrong answer. He's not a created being. He is the creator. Come on. Nobody created Jesus. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Amen. A to Z, brother. Alpha and the Omega. The Muslims, they acknowledge Jesus was a prophet, say he was a good man per the Koran, chapter 5, verse 75. <laughs> Wrong answer. How can you say that he was a prophet and a good man when he claimed to be God on the earth? He's either a liar or he is who he says he is. And because he got up on the third day after saying he would out of the tomb, I'm going to go with he is who he says he is. <laughs> the Hindus, what do they say about Jesus? They say who? They got so many gods they can't keep up with them all. <laughs> Wrong answer. He's the one true God. And then we got unbiblical so-called Christians. People professing to believe in Jesus, but they believe in, in a, their own form of Jesus. They make up their own Jesus to make them feel better about themselves. They, they believe in a Jesus that has no grace. 
a graceless Christ, or they believe in a, often they believe in a Jesus that's got greasy grace, that has no standards and no holiness. God wants us to know the real Jesus. Paul said in Galatians 1, verse 6, he said, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. Why is it not good news, even though it pretends to be? Because it's not true. You can claim it's good news, but if it ain't true, it ain't, it ain't good news. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, who would do that? Who would twist the truth about Jesus? Satan and people who want to use that for their own gain, like this Joseph Smith who writes his own books about who God is. What does the Bible say? Don't be messing with the Bible. Yeah, don't add or take from it. Look, I believe Scripture. What do you believe? I believe what the Bible says about Jesus. And I believe it is He is who what the Bible says. The Bible paints a much more beautiful picture of Jesus than any of these hucksters. Is that a word? It is now. <laughs> Let's see what, y'all ready to see what Jesus says about himself? Luke 22, verse 70. Then they all said, are you the son of God? So he said to them, you rightly say, I am. Say, I am. In Matthew 28, 18, he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Who's in charge? Jesus said, I am. In John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. I am the life source. Don't break away from me. You'll, you'll lay on the ground and wither and be thrown into the fire. You better be hooked up with the real vine. The right vine, John 13, 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 10, 30, he said, I and the Father are one. And you want to know something? These are statements that can only be made by God and be true. Only God can say these things and then be true. I am. the name that God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush tell him that I am that I am sent you and Jesus says I am 
in John 18, 37. People always argue, they argue with Jesus about who he is. And Jesus answers, you say rightly that I am a king. <laughs> for this cause was I born, and for this cause have I come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That's what we're talking about. What voices are you been listening to? Are you hearing a voice about Jesus that's secondhand? What somebody else told you? Are you hearing the voice of truth reveal to you the truth about who he is? I'm telling you, he's the king of kings. In John 14, 6, the most phenomenal statement ever spoken out of a mouth on earth. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I have a way. I got some truths I'd like to sh sell to you. I know a way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, he says. He's the door to eternal life. He said, if you had really known me, ain't that what we're talking about? If you had really known me. You know, a lot of people at the end going to say, man, we did great things in your name. Jesus is going to say, man, you wasn't in my name. You was in, some, you was in another Jesus' name because you didn't do that in my name. I never knew you. You never knew me. You never knew me. If you had really known me, you would know who the Father is. From now on, you do know him because you have seen him. Jesus said, when you see the, me, you see the Father. I am the, I am the visible image of the invisible God. I came to earth to show you God. Yes, he was in an earthly body. He put on an earth suit, but he was in nature 100% God and 100% man at the same time. When you see me, you see the Father. Now, I can't explain to you the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, three distinct personalities all in one. I, I don't have the, my brain won't comprehend that. I can't comprehend how I'm body, soul, and spirit. But I just believe, because the Word says, the truth, the rock on which I built my life says, and I have, I have heard His voice. In my heart. I have seen the effects of him being in my life every day. I know who I was and I know who I am now. And there's no one that can take my testimony from me. I know in whom I have believed. They argue with Jesus about who he is. You're not this. You're not, you're not who you say you are. You're lying. In John 8, 58, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. They knew what that meant. You're making yourself to be God. And they picked up stones to stone him, but they couldn't do it because he was God. And it wasn't his time yet. They knew what that meant. 
Jesus made no bones about it. The disciples finally said one day, well, now you're speaking plainly. He said, duh, I've been speaking plainly the whole time. You've just been too dense to get it. Man, this is good news if you believe the truth. This is good news. That's it. Perhaps the deity of Christ is the most important fact that we can grab a hold of in our life. Because what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing in your life. Most consequential decision that you will ever make. Jesus said, I'm the rock that you either build your life on that's going to crush you to powder in the end. That's going to fall on you. Jesus is the cornerstone. You get to that corner, you better make the right turn. You better build your life on the cornerstone or your house is going to be wumpty. And is that another word? New word, new word, write it down in the dictionary. Wumpty. It's what you believe about Jesus separates you from the cults and the false religions of this world. You don't know the real Jesus, then just go on, keep saying your Hail Marys and carving images and doing all the religious things that you do to try to make God do what you want him to do. Make him be who you want him to be. But he will not be coerced. He is who he is. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. You ought to be excited about this. If you're building your life on this truth. If you're not, then you ought to be excited that you're hearing this message today that you can repent and believe the truth. Okay. Colossians 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything in the natural that you see, God created through Jesus. Everything that you can't see in the spiritual realm, which is just as real, He created. He made the things we can see, things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. This is an amazing statement. Everything was created through Him and for Him. How did you get here? Why are you here today? Well, you say, my, my mom and my daddy had a little something to do with that. They had a little something to do with it. But when it all boils down to it, they wouldn't be here either. We are all created through him. He knew you in the womb before your mama had ever laid eyes on you. You were created through him. And what's the, the question that so many people want to know? I know I wanted to know, why am I here? Why am I here, God? Somebody tell me why I am here. 
It's in this verse. You are created for Him. You want to know why you're here? You were created for Jesus. Because He wanted to love on you. And He wanted you to love on Him. He wanted to show you life and life more abundantly. He wanted to build a mansion for you to live with you forever. You were created through Him and you were created for Him. End of discussion. That, that is probably the most powerful verse in the world. He existed before anything else and He holds all of creation together. If Jesus were to cease to exist, so would we. But He doesn't. He's all-powerful, and He's everywhere, and He holds all things together. What is the proper response to the real Jesus? I mean, to someone who can sling the stars into ex existence, who created all this with the words from His mouth. He created all of this from nothing. He spoke it into existence. All-powerful God. What is the proper response to the real Jesus? You see, because we're not getting that today. Everybody says, oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. But I'm not seeing the proper response if we understand who the real Jesus is. The proper response is worship, adoration, Total allegiance, obedience, and surrender. That is the only proper response. Anything short of that, you don't know the real Jesus. Certainly we wouldn't be claiming to know him and having sex outside of marriage. Or hating on the people he created. Cheating people. That he loves. Going our way through life. Just lying through every circumstance. Surely we wouldn't claim to know the real Jesus. And behave in such a manner. Half-heartedly pretending to serve him. Lukewarm and compromised. Mm-mm. Lord, give us a fresh revelation of the real Jesus. Say the real Jesus. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to give everybody in this room and everybody that should be in this room a fresh revelation of your awesomeness, of who you are and what you mean to our lives. And let that change us from the inside out. A fresh revelation, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. You know, even my prayers are in Jesus' name. Not the Mormon Jesus, not the Jehovah Witness Jesus, but the Jesus of the pages of the Scripture. You know, Jesus was not some weak, sheep-toting sissy that we portray Him to be. He did come as a suffering servant. But it was only so that he could bear our sins. It was only so that he could come and recognize what we're going through so he could identify, so that he could bear our cross.
take our shame, our burden, and our pain. So that by His stripes that we might be healed. Jesus came to take away sin and to make all things new. Yes, He came as a suffering servant washing the disciples' feet to show humility and show how we should love and respect and honor one another. He came to show us the way, the truth, and the life. He's not some weak sheep toting sissy. And he's not coming back as a suffering servant next time. That work has been completed. He's coming back with fire in his eyes. He's coming back riding on a white horse with his robe dipped in blood. He's coming back riding with those who have known the real Jesus. To bring vengeance on those who have slandered his name and misrepresented his character and lived half-hearted lives and never knew him. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to roar. And I don't know if that brings fear to your heart, but it should. Fear of God is real. He is too awesome for us not to fear. Colossians 1.18, if you keep going, says Christ is also the head of the church. Thank goodness that I'm not the guy. My goodness. We would all be in trouble, brother. Christ is the head of this church, which is his body. That means we are all together part of the body of Christ. We are partakers of, of who he is. In John 17, he said that they may be in me that as I am in you. There's a oneness that happens when you make the real Jesus Lord of your life. And you become part of his body. He is the head and we are the body. He is the beginning. He was the first one born again. Supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Are we putting him first in everything? Well, Jesus, I'm going to get to you in a minute. Just calm down. I might go to church Sunday. No, he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Reconciled says, make, sets the account straight. But you don't have to go on living in sin. You don't have to go on as an enemy of God. The sin debt has been paid. You can receive forgiveness. You can be reconciled. We sang the song redeemed this morning. That's what it means. You were bought back. But you must receive your pardon. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. The Father sent His Son to die on our cross, to bear our shame, To receive the punishment, the just punishment 
for our wickedness. The physical, mental, spiritual torment that was to be our cross. God so loved the world. This is a greater love. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And he laid it down. He came from the time he was old enough to recognize himself in the Scriptures, knowing that the end of his life was coming and what it would entail. And he lived it sinlessly so that he could be the propitiation of our sins. He could be the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. He could be our substitute on the cross. Nobody else could have done it because they'd have had to die for their own sins. But he refused to sin. He refused to give in to any temptation his entire life. Not to say, look at me, but to say, yeah, look at me. I'm willing to die for you. And the Bible says if we see him high and lifted up, if we see him on our cross, he will draw us to him. If we understand why he was on the cross, that's what made the difference to me. I, I went on, uh, I fell away from Jesus. You know, shortly after high school, I just stopped trying to believe because he wasn't responding to my bottle rubbing. I didn't think he was real because I didn't know the real. And it's easy to walk away from something you don't think is real. But when I came to the end of myself and somebody told me that it was my cross and I received Christ, my whole life began to change. When Jesus became real, my life became real. And I submit to you today that you won't find the real you until you find the real Christ because you were created for Him. And if you don't know the real Jesus, then you'll never discover what you were created for. And you're just living some life. I was just living some life wherever the wind blew. Whatever wave caught me and took me over to here and tried this out. I was trying to be everybody else. I had no idea that God had created me special as His masterpiece. I didn't know the real me because I didn't know the real Jesus. How many remembers two weeks ago the title of my message was Your Real Life? Remember based on Colossians 3, 3? It says, for you died to this life. That's what you do when you, you recognize that th this life I'm living is, is not really me. I, this sin and stuff, this is not who I was created to be. I'm going to die to that. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Until you find the real Jesus, your real life remains hidden. It goes on to say, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. Amen. When He comes back, when He's revealed to the whole world, I'm going to share in His glory. I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to have a new body. Amen. 
But let me tell you something even probably more important than that. If Christ were to become revealed to you, the real Jesus, and you were begin to live the real life that God called you to live, then you would begin to reveal the real Jesus to this world before it's too late for them. And then you would begin to share His glory now. And that's when this glory needs to be. It really needs to be now because when we come back with them, it'll be too late for them. We need to discover the real Jesus so that we can discover the real me so that I can discover my real life, so that I can begin to live in a way that glorifies Jesus now. And what was last week's message, by the way? The time is now. God tied all these together. I was telling Nicholas, I didn't even recognize that I was talking about real again until after I'd written this message. One of the best descriptions for Jesus in the whole Bible found in 1 Corinthians 13 that he's patient and he's kind and not irritable and keeps no record of wrongs. And he does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. He never gives up. He never loses faith. He's always hopeful and he endures through every circumstance. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. Th chapter 13 is the love chapter. That's talking about love. Exactly! God is love. That's exactly who it's talking about. I wish I could adequately articulate the impact the real Jesus has made on my life. I just keep opening my mouth and trying. Because I am not the same. If you would have known me before Christ, you would have said, that guy is self-centered. And he's extremely prideful. He thinks he's got everything. To get. He thinks he knows everything. Some of you are saying, he still does. <laughs> Don't you be laughing about that. He still does. Well, that may be true. But to, to a much lesser degree. A little bit. As I have said before, now I am like the king of humble. <laughs> no, just, boy, you can't say that, can you? No. But I was so lost. So misguided. So vulnerable to Satan, to every plan of the enemy. I was hurting people, destroying relationships left and right. I was angry. I was just about everything that the Bible tells us not to be. Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners, but I don't know. And though we have all admitted I have a long way to go, I am not where I used to be. The real Jesus has given me purpose. 
He has fulfilled me. He brings joy where there used to be only anger and rage. There is a peace that I can sleep at night now. I just, I, I'm more blessed than I ever have been. But in the past, that would have just led me to hunger for more and more and never be satisfied to heap upon myself treasures and possessions. But now I'm content. Before, I would have never looked any of you in the face and cared anything about you. I would have said, hello, how you doing? I may even ask how you was doing. I would have tried to be, you know, only that you would think I was a good guy. That's the only reason I would do it. I didn't really care about nobody. But he has given me a love that just loves people. I'm still not a great conversationalist, as many of you can attest to. But I do look at you. And I do try to see you and see your pain. And I do want to try to respond. And I see you doing the same things. And that's what makes true faith. It's the real Jesus really in our hearts. And us to live the real life that God intends. Paul says in Philippians 3.10 that I want to know Christ. What do you mean, Paul? He's in jail in Philippians. He had given his heart and soul and body and strength and given up all his riches and his, the path that he was going down as a Pharisee. He gave up all things that he had wanted in this life and gave it all to Jesus so that he could go around preaching the gospel. He said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. He gave everything he had till now he's in a, a, a prison. And he writes this letter from prison and he possibly, he's had visions of the Lord. He's been taken, you know, to see the Lord. And, he's, and why does he say, I want to know him? He wants to know him more. Some of you probably have identified with everything I've said here today. But I want to encourage you. Don't be satisfied. Because I'm telling you right now, you could live a thousand lifetimes and never get to the depth of who the real Jesus is and never know the fullness of his love and his compassion and his mercy and his grace. It's, it just goes deeper still. It goes deeper and deeper. And the more you know him, the more you know you. And deep the Bible says, calls into deep. Are you happy on the surface? Not if you know the real Jesus. Your heart is hungry for more. Stir yourselves up. There's only really one proper response to the real Jesus that I see in the Bible. Well, there's probably more, but the one I was thinking about is when that woman came up in that house of Pharisees, this immoral woman, this sinner, the notorious sinner, comes walking into this house of Pharisees where Jesus is eating dinner and she's carrying an alabaster box. 
And it's filled with a very expensive perfume. Some say it might have cost her her life's wages. Probably something she was saving for her marriage. But she had given up long ago. She didn't care what the Pharisees said. She didn't care that they tried to stop her at the door. She didn't care that they were snickering. And she came and busted open that box and began to pour it out on the head of the Lord. And then she fell at his feet and began to cry and kiss his feet and wash his feet with her tears and her hair and anoint his feet with that beautiful perfume. She didn't care what everybody else thought. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed and her worship is not hindered by what somebody else thinks. It's not even hindered by her own sinfulness. The recognition of her own life. It's just a proper response. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.